Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome, everyone, to RB1 Colon, a fantasy football podcast, part of the Fake Teams podcast channel. I am the consummate professional, uh, worshiper of Nikhil Harry, friends with the Oracle, constant downer of Alvin Kamara, your humble host, Pete Rogers, and I'm joined by all of the guys. We have the Duck Father, recovering Texans fan, DK Metcalf's number one admirer, and the man formerly known as Steve Timberland, resident old man Clark Barnes. El Saboteur, captain of the Buccaneers bandwagon, proud father Quentin Nelson, Scotty Miller fanboy, the coach whisperer, the wine sipperer, the Will Disleyer working girl Jordan Smith, and fantasy football's premier internet doctor, the number two Walter Sobchak, but number one Tarzan, fan of what scientists lovingly call facts, thinks your favorite team is run by donkeys, the ginger mustached man, Nick Bonifer. Guys, how are we doing today? Doing great, Pete. Doing great. Good, Pete. How are you? I'm amazing. My uh, Monday and Tuesday, Nick, were incredible. There was so much news that broke Tuesday in the NFL. Unfortunately, we won't be able to cover all of the crazy trades uh, that went down. I mean, just seeing Patrick Mahomes after signing that massive contract with the Chiefs get traded for only a couple of fifth-round picks was just mind-blowing to me. But unfortunately, we'll have to save that for another show as we are going right into the AFC South uh, deep dive. Um, and uh, we'll get right into that. It was wild news. NFC South. Yeah, is that what I said? Oh, I was like, well, guys, it's going to be a fly by the seat of your pants episode for me (laughs) because... I just want to send everyone listening to the show on a quick like internet search as be like, wait, did I miss something? No, you did not miss something. I made it up because we were actually recording this uh, Monday night. So we don't even know what's going to happen Tuesday uh, and Wednesday. So no news. Anyways, let's get into it. You know, the, you know, the, the segments by now let's start off ANFC South trustworthy elites. There's no one more trustworthy than the elites. Waiter. I ordered the 89 Chateau, not the 99. Nick, let us join hands in the sunset and start this off together as we both want to talk about the one and only Julio Jones. I'll let you lead things off here. Sure. So uh, in each of the past five seasons, Julio Jones has finished in the top seven in both half-point PPR and full-point PPR scoring. Um, the, the passing tree is uh, dreadfully barren going into this year uh, as it has been frequently the outside of Calvin Ridley, um, Russell Gage, Laquan Treadwell, um, Blake Christian and Olamide Zaki. I don't know who these people are uh, at tight end. <laughs> they've got unproven guy Hayden Hurst, who they shipped a second round for to, uh, to replace Austin Hooper. I it's maybe he'll end up being, yeah, he, he might not be, we, we don't know. He was a good prospects, but we haven't seen anything. Uh, out of him so anyway Julio he's in for a a mammoth target load uh, 
at his uh, ADP, he, he continues to fall into the second round. Uh, and half-point BBR, he's going as the, the first pick in the second round. Last thing I want to mention is that the the Falcons schedule top to bottom is just brutal in all aspects, whether we're talking about their pass defenses they're facing, their rush offenses, the rushing defenses that they're facing, or, or the offenses that, that they're facing. And what we've seen under Dirk Cutter, and forgive me if I get this wrong, but during his time as their, the Falcons coordinator, Matt Ryan goes over 600 pass attempts. So when we see these without really, fail. Yeah, when we see these really difficult schedules, what that means is shootouts. And Julio Jones, it doesn't really matter what the defense is that he's facing. It would be great if it was a bad one, but as long as the opposing team is just putting points on the board and they just have to keep throwing the football, Julio Jones is going to be getting eight to ten targets a game. Yeah, I uh, initially had Chris Chris Godwin as my trustworthy elite and then I rechecked the rankings and I saw the fact that somehow you're right, Nick, Julio Jones is sitting there for you at the start of the second round. He is the wide receiver five, I believe in half point PPR. Um, and it's just that kind of, it's just preposterous to me. It makes no sense why you are, why people are so down on Julio. Julio, I think is going to be uh, number Flirt, certainly flirting with number one, probably top three with with not too much effort on his part. And he could be, we could see this like absurd wide receiver stat line get passed from the NFC South from Michael Thomas last year to Julio Jones this year. The guy saw 157 targets last year. 2018 saw 170 targets. I don't think it's out of this world to think that he's going to see another 150 plus target season. And a guy like Julio, who's shown no signs of slowing down despite hitting 30, I'm I will take him as my wide receiver one and never ask a single question ever again. So I know why he's that far down in the ranks and it's because uh, fantasy analysts and writers survive on clicks and they need people to read their articles. So we often like to get really clever and talk about the new hot thing that is going to happen. And this is one of those cases where that's just incredibly stupid to put all of these people (laughs) in front of Julio Jones, who's been really good for five years and nothing has changed. So this is a really, uh, this is perfect for this segment. It's a really obvious one. And it's one where you can reap some value for it. Like if you have the 10th or 11th pick, you should be celebrating that people are oh making this mistake. And you yes. should start your team with Julio. 100%. I'd like to think that for this season, all the, uh, all the talk we've done over the past couple of years about Julio Jones having a touchdown allergy, we've just incepted the minds of the fantasy community because that, that's what you hear everywhere. But now oh, yeah. I think is finally where it just goes the other way and people aren't ready for it. Especially it. when you don't have a solid number three wide receiver and Hayden Hurst is definitely not better than, you know, Mark Andrews or something like that because – Clark, why don't you give us your uh, trustworthy elite for the? Yeah, this isn't a- too exciting. It's just obvious. I want people that feel like they don't get the top three selection. To st- I think there's top there's a five running back tier, and then you start another tier of running backs. But Alvin Kamara is amazing. He was hurt all last year, and he's just one of those guys that uh, all NFL players look like they're men amongst boys in college, and then very few guys make that transition to the NFL and just look like they're faster and quicker and not trying very hard. And Kamara is one of those guys. So if you're if you draw the number four pick, the number five pick, Kamara is still a target. He was hurt last year and still finished as the RB fifteen. New Orleans is one of the best offensives in the league. So yeah, boring. But Kamara, Alvin Kamara is good. You should draft him. 
as the count, I, constant doubter of Alvin Kamara, I won't, but you are correct, Clark, in that you should. Um, so I think, I, I hope that Sean Payton finally uh, took his own advice. We talked, uh, like, what was it, last year about um, Sean Payton drunkenly telling Evan Silva that Alvin's soft. <laughs> um, I think that Alvin Kamara is one of those few running backs who operates uh, at a higher efficiency when he's on a pitch count. And that pitch count could be 20 touches. You know, that doesn't mean that he shouldn't be getting like CMC work, you know, 25 or, or, or anyway, um, I, I phrase that poorly, but you get the point. Keep, keep Kamara at 20 touches. Just not running Latavius. inside off center right. runs on first and Excellent. 10. Yeah. 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 Get, get Latavius Murray involved in there. Um, but he has massive touchdown regression, positive re- regression coming. He still uh, piled up the yards in the, in the receptions. He has, doesn't he have like 81 receptions in every season or something? He's got some voodoo thing going on, but uh, he just had Makes this sense. crazy. No, yeah, he just, that's true. Hoodoo. He had this crazy dip in, in his touchdown scoring. And to be fair, he was performing well above uh, uh average in the touchdown department before last year but still he, he's going to get find that nice middle ground and and with what you said earlier Clark yeah he was playing on a torn MCL and a high ankle sprain you're gonna have regression negative regression when you're playing nearly a full season like that Jordan wrap us up uh with your trustworthy elite from the uh south yeah this one I'm not gonna spend too much time on it's uh Michael Thomas um he Racked up 185 targets last year, which is a lot. I know there was talk last season about can he get to 200 targets. Um, they brought in Emmanuel Sanders, and he could eat into that just a little bit. But even if you take a look and have him playing at his previous two target years, it's 147 and 149, which is still plenty of good targets in which he finished uh, PPR six or PPR wide receiver six in those years and eight in standard. So. Um, you're getting a, a top 10 wide receiver uh, no matter what. And he just catches everything. And for the second episode in a row, we're going to swing right into players we are not drafting. Red alert. Red alert. Do not draft this player. Red alert. Red alert. Because your boy is not drafting Michael Thomas this year. I am not touching him anywhere. And it's not because I don't think he's going to be a wildly productive wide receiver for you in fantasy. I think he will be. I think you can't go into the, though, you can't have the expectation he's going to do anything that he did last year. But I think he's still going to be a top five fantasy wide receiver. And if you want to pay that price for him, by all means, do it. However, he is currently going as the Number four player in drafts in, in half point PPR, number four off the board. And for me personally, I am just not going to spend that kind of capital on Michael Thomas uh, because I would do that if he was going to sure thing, give me last season again, but he's not, I mean, he's going ahead of Alvin Kamara, Derek Henry, Dalvin cook, Devonte Adams, Joe, like I would rather have a number one running back there. And, uh, and then wait on wide receiver since this is such a wide receiver rich year in fantasy. And we've talked about that plenty. It's nothing to do with Michael Thomas as a fantasy asset this year. I think he's going to be phenomenal. I am just not going to use my number four overall pick on Michael Thomas. Yeah, I, I, uh, I'm not taking him at four, but I would take him at five or six. So I don't think I, I am like on board really with this take. Um, and just Nick's, to, just, Nick's just split in the middle. 
Yeah, uh, taking just to kind of spice things up here, what I do love about Michael Thomas is that he really doesn't have to battle uh, many guys for targets. Uh, Alvin Kamara is going to be the number two receiving option there. Jared Cook will be a great tight end. And then Emmanuel Sanders will contribute very nicely in a real football sense only. Clark, why don't you give us uh, who you're not drafting in the South, NFC South? Yeah, so this was... uh... This is one of the guys that I think we're trying to get too cute with, and that's Chris Godwin. Uh, he, he is fantastic at football, and I think that he had an amazing year with Jameis Winston, who uh, loves to hold on to the ball for a really long time, and Chris Godwin and Jameis Winston, both really good improvisational players. Uh, I don't understand why everyone thinks that Mike Evans all of a sudden got bad at football. The last time uh, Tom Brady had a guy who could stretch the field and was tall like Mike Evans, they went 17 and one Pete. Sorry. I don't mean to drudge up old it's 18 and one, but yeah. Well, yeah, I guess. Bad I have a plan. Okay. But yeah. 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 I, I think that Mike Evans yeah. being the X bodes very well for him. And uh, the Chris Godwin being improvisational means that he will have a good year and that the Buccaneers will be much better this season. But, but for where he's going, I think that we've all kind of lost our collective minds with the Chris Godwin hype. Yeah, I think people got people were like, Chris Godwin was created in the lab for Tom Brady. They're going to be perfect together. And if they get in sync, and they very well could be, and I think it might be an instance where they're great football-wise. Like, I think of Tom Brady with Edelman to a certain extent, but like Danny Amendola, when the, when the moment came, Tom Brady knew exactly where Amendola was going to be, and Amendola was making those big catches for him. And like in a football sense, Danny Amendola was doing big things for the Patriots. Fantasy-wise, he didn't offer you anything. Now, Chris Godwin's going to obviously offer you a lot, but I'm not, I, I kind of agree with you, Clark, in the sense that I feel like people are way hyping up uh, or overhyping Chris Godwin for being like the clear number one guy in this Buccaneers offense and that detracting from Mike Evans, when in reality, the two of them might be a lot closer from fantasy production Uh, than we might be expecting. And since I can get Mike Evans as the wide receiver eight, as opposed to paying up Chris Godwin, the wide receiver six, I mean, it's two spots, but I, why Chris Godwin's going 18 overall, Mike Evans, 26 overall. So I can, I can wait around and, and still get a part of this Buccaneers passing game, a big part. So um, yeah, Godwin is an an exceptional talent. I, here's here's my my hang up they start the season against the saints and the panthers and then they get four ball control teams in a row broncos chargers bears packers after that the schedule opens up either with tatter defenses that are in tatters or offenses that are just going to force the the pace so what i'm kind of thinking is that godwin is more of a trade target for me in that uh weeks uh what is it three through six rather than a draft target, because there are some some receivers who I just, I, I prefer their floor and ceiling a little bit more. Now, again, we've talked about this. The Bucks are probably going to live in the red zone. And if he can assert himself as dominant in that area, then then you don't have anything to worry about. But I'm just, I think I'm just more interested in a guy like Adam Thielen or Amari Cooper, who one is on a, uh, who, who has like 160 target upside and another who's just on this crazy high octane offense that is going to have a defense that really struggles to keep offenses from scoring and, and consistently push the pace. Jordan, uh, who you, who you not drafting this year? Um, so my stay away is Drew Brees, um, mostly because he's a QB nine and he kind of falls into that zone of uh, quarterbacks like 
seven through 12 in mid rounds that I'm just not going to use the draft capital for. I'd rather wait a few rounds later and get somebody who um, will likely outperform because drafting him as a top 10 fantasy QB um, when he finished 21st last year is um, a little bit of a stretch to me. Um, And I think that just getting a piece of other players in that offense is a better idea for you rather than paying, um, the, the QB nine value of drafting Drew Brees. Yeah. Oh, Clark's so, got words. So, uh, this is why counting stats can be deceptive. And I would invite you to look a little bit closer at what happened. Uh, Drew Brees finished as the QB 21 last year because he missed five games. Drew Brees was the number five QB in points per game, but he's not getting any younger. <laughs> that's fine. That That's, that is a fact I will not argue with. <laughs> I think he, I think him going as a top 10 quarterback is perplexing in fantasy. That doesn't make sense to me. I can think of, I can rattle 10 quarterbacks off the top of my head. I'd rather have in fantasy than Drew Brees. I one of them is Ryan Tannehill. Heavy burden being the only person being right about quarterbacks on this episode <laughs> and the last one. <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you. I did forget that he missed a couple games last year, which brought his fantasy uh, overall finish down. But I, still, I'm not that excited about your Jordan. It's, it's, it's nothing compared to starting an argument about Nick Chubb and then realizing that the stats actually really weren't that different between Nick Chubb with and without Kareem Hunt on the field. So then completely ditching your argument for why you're not drafting Nick Chubb. Uh, Nick, give us a player who you're not, not touching this year. Yeah, let's do this. Fisticuffs. Uh, Todd Gurley is a a bad draft pick. Um, Reports (laughs) that are being disputed indicate that he's been limping in between drills, that he's looked really good like when he's going full speed, but basically right afterwards he's limping as he's walking around the practice field. Um, We've talked ad nauseum about this for two years now. He has a degenerative knee. That's not going to get any better. The cartilage is damaged, and that's all there is to it. like I mentioned in the Julio Jones section, they play a very difficult uh, uh, schedule this year. Now, their their run defenses are like mid-tier. That's kind of like the one thing they have that's like not that hard is that the, the defenses are just sort of middle of the road. Um, I think that he's going to probably – so here's the thing. He's either going to get a lot of work earlier on and he's going to burn out or they're going to spell him with like friggin' Quadri Allison and the offense is just going to struggle, which is why I think they're going to just have to lean so heavily on the pass game. They will throw the ball to him, but the coaches early on were saying, we will not have a, a um, we will not have a pitch count for Todd Gurley. Now that he's walking around limping in between plays, they're saying, yeah, we're going to have a pitch count for Todd Gurley. Um, just to, to, uh, uh, be it factually accurate here. Yeah, he's going at the very beginning of the fourth round at pick number 29 overall. There are just a lot of dudes there that I am much more interested in. Um, Smith Schuster's one, Adam Thielen another, Amari Cooper. I think James uh, uh, Connor is is somewhere around here. Anywho, mm-hmm. um, yeah, Gurley is just too much of an injury risk, and I think that this projects to be such a uh, Julio Jones and another receiver uh, season. For the Falcons, on principle, I have to reject Todd Gurley as a as a running back option because James Conner does go like fourteen <laughs> picks behind him, and I, I talked about how much I'd rather have James Conner. Um, I don't mind Todd Gurley if he goes in like 
this this might be improbable too, but if he goes in like the fifth round, maybe the sixth round, I don't mind taking a stab at it because he did end up finishing like running back 14 last year, despite missing a game and uh, not looking that great. Uh, but he would, he would have to take like a pretty precipitous fall for me to grab him. Uh, he, I will be talking about him shortly as we move into league winners. But first, uh, we're going to take a quick ad break. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, we are back. Nick is not drafting Todd Gurley. I, on the other hand, think he could win you your league. Oh my gosh, I did it. I just landed a league winner. Uh, obviously, the injury is something you need to monitor. That is a big risk with Todd Gurley, and but that's nothing new. What I do think, what I just like about him and have a hard time not talking myself from is the fact that, first of all, he's been moving up in drafts, which is a little bit annoying because when I made this list, he was like at a perfect level of, you know, like I think middle slash maybe even back end of the fourth round. And now he's like the first pick of the fourth round, which is really dumb. I hate how ADP changes. Stay where it was and never change. But uh, since we are living in a fluctuating world that's ever changing, uh, going as the RB15 in half point PPR, I the two things that I feel like are, are always happening I have a hard time saying no to Todd Gurley is the fact that a, we know he can't do it. And like what Jordan said, even when he didn't look great last year, when he was not even like the unquestioned bell guy in uh, LA, he put together an RB 14 season in uh, Atlanta. Who's behind him? Like who's going to challenge him now? I think that if he does ultimately break down, that's something to worry about, but it's going to be, I think it's going to be like workload go and this workload running backs have averaged 1300 yards and about 10 touchdowns on the ground and 500 plus receiving yards and five about five touchdowns over the last three years so this offense like can get a real an rb1 production out of a running back with not a lot of you know that's they're walking into a great workload there so we i just i i'm give this is my last year of todd Gurley. i'm saying change of scenery change of knee practice. I don't know what new number I am here for one more year of Todd Gurley. And if he lets me down, so be it, but he's going in the fourth round. I can stack two running backs ahead of him, get a dope wide receiver and then take him as my running back three. Uh, and he could perform as a top 10 back for me. So I I'll, I'll take him and I'll assume the risk that comes with his decrippling knees. I made up a word there and it's a good word. 
I can't wait for Todd Gurley to show up in the guys I need to let go of podcast that we do next offseason. <laughs> guys, Pete needs to move on. Oh, remember what I said? I love Todd Gurley. Yeah, I need to let go of him. All right, let's move on to other league winners. Jordan, let's stay in the Atlanta Falcons offense because you have a league winner from this offense as well. Um, yeah, so this isn't particularly surprising if you pay attention to a lot of fantasy um, folks outside of this podcast and have just been keeping your ear to the ground about the potential of Calvin Ridley. Um, but I think my take might be a little bit spicier in this case because um, I think that he has a chance to jump into the top five to top eight wide receivers this season and has the potential to be like this year's Godwin, who went from wide receiver 27 in 2018 to wide receiver two last year. Um, now he might not jump all the way to top two, but um, I think that's pretty good uh, potential there, especially for both of them in either case are going in the uh, fourth round 80 or Godwin had a fourth round ADP value. I actually can't remember what ADP round Calvin Ridley is at. Uh, but at any rate, um, he, he, he's a tremendous route runner in Atlanta's, like we said before, is going to throw a lot. Um, he finished last year at number five in defense adjusted yards above replacement and number two in DVOA. So he's a very efficient wide receiver. And uh, I still like Julio Jones. And uh, the reason I started making the comparison to Chris Godwin, because I was like, oh, these guys got too good. Uh, wide receivers but then I thought to myself why can't both of them eat like the Buccaneers wide receivers did last season so um, Calvin Ridley especially going as late as he is I think he could make a pretty big jump and help you win your league yeah Jordan I like this pick a lot there's a reason why I picked him as my bold prediction all those months ago to outscore Julio Jones this year uh he's he's a tremendous player and uh he was the guy I was hinting at who was a unbelievably terrible uh vertical but his his shuttle drills and his 10 yard split you can see it, it, it every every cut that he makes he's so freaking explosive um the the passing tree is there it's him and julio and uh whoever else is, is playing third fiddle whether that's um hurst or Gurley or laquan treadwell um yeah it this just sets up to be a season where i i, I think i think that the the godwin um, the Godwin comparison is very apt. I'm, I'm also thinking of uh, like two years ago, was it, when Antonio Brown and, and Juju Smith-Schuster were, I think they were like one and four in the league in targets where one of them had like 165 and there was 163 or something. It was just a couple of guys crammed up there at the top. Um, yeah, uh, Calvin Ridley going in the fourth round is ridiculous. Clark, give us uh, your league winner from the NFC South. Not something that, not someone that other people aren't talking about, but it's Ronald Jones for the old Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tampa uh, he's had a couple Bay of Buccaneers. had a couple of disappointing seasons so far, but has improved in each year. He's getting drafted in the '90s, and so this is someone that you'll take to fill out the rest of your roster. So while there is some risk, the upside potential here is huge. Uh, speaking of him taking a good jump from year one to year two, uh, Ronald Jones is 23, and he has just turned 23. So he's younger than a lot of the guys that came out this year in NFL's draft. Better team. I think that they're going to run the ball a lot more because their quarterback's not going to throw for 73 interceptions in the first half of the games alone. And so I think that's going to bode well for any running back 
in Tampa Bay. And I think Ronald Jones is the best running back in Tampa Bay. So it's a simple A to B line connection that could be totally wrong because this is the NFL and it's not as always as simple as an A to B connection. But Ronald Jones is basically free and he's Tom Brady's running back, maybe. We, we, we've been starting to get hyped on him uh, for a little bit now. Clark, I, I shot you a, a video earlier today on Twitter. Um, it's we, We've been talking about whichever back shows that he's getting Tom Brady's trust is the guy that we want to target. And the report, I think, from last week indicating that Brady has been working with him on his route running is, I mean, that plus Arians saying he's the number one guy. Um, if he actually gets passing game work, then that's incredible. But otherwise, what I think we get is basically a LeGarrette Blunt. I think we get 12 to 15 carries, and a lot of those are going to be in the opponent's territory. So, I, like, in, in such a loaded offense, I really like this. Just great Cavs. <laughs> Jordan is drafting an all-Cavs team this year. All, all legs. Any, any running back pictures of legs, I'm all in. Oh, just wait till we get to the NFC North and we get to talk about A.J. Dillon's legs. Good Lord. I saw a sideline picture of him standing there, and I was like, those are tree trunks. Coming for that job, Aaron Jones. Uh, anyways, <laughs> Nick, let's uh, let's finish up league winners for the Sa- a- NFC South. League winners. Sorry, the Dylan talk is just so tilting. Um, <laughs> the, uh, yeah, a thousand carry college back. Let's uh, do it, AJ Dill. So uh, uh, my league winner is Teddy Bridgewater, who is basically going like friggin' undrafted. <clears throat> Uh, yeah, he's going as the quarterback twenty-seven, and I think he's going to be. I, I think he's going to be a quarterback one. Um, and even if he's not, if he's like top fifteen, and you pair him with Joe Burrow in your last two picks, like grab Harrison Butker, a good defense, then go and get those two guys at the end of the draft. I don't think you're going to be sorry. Um, what I really like about this is uh, one, Joe Brady. We saw what he just did at LSU last year. He, he tore the roof off of college football. Um, it, uh, as the, the LSU offensive coordinator. Uh, number two, this, this roster is, is loaded. So they've got the best pass catching back and all around back in the game at Christian McCaffrey. They have DJ Moore, who listeners know I'm a huge fan of. They've got Curtis Samuel. They've got uh, um, Robbie Anderson. Um, and they have Ian Thomas, who has been just waiting for the corpse of Greg Olson to get out of his way. Um, Teddy Bridgewater, he probably does not uh, bring a ton to the table in terms of uh, rushing or scrambling ability, but um, I, I just can't speak highly enough of what this offensive system is going to bring. They're top 12 and, and 14 in, in blend of pass defenses and pass defense efficiency. And perhaps the best thing of all, they, the, the amount of starters that they lost on the defensive side of the ball is crazy. I'm not going to bother listing all of them right now. Luke Keekley's one of them. James Bradbury's another. But their their defensive line has been totally decimated. And what they did was they spent seven picks on rookies, uh, all on defense for their draft. Um, this is perhaps the worst defense in the league. And one thing that we absolutely love is targeting targeting guys on what we think are going to be loaded offenses who can't play defense to save their life. I think they're going to be starting uh, at the 10 yard line on their side of the field constantly all season long. And I, I like Bridgewater's becoming somebody that I, I, I really can't leave a draft without. Yeah. Bridgewater, I think is also an excellent, you know, super flex targets. He is going 27th. I uh, he's my number two quarterback in my only dynasty league. Uh, Bridgewater has proven throughout his career to be a, a good quarterback, not outstanding, but, 
good. And you mentioned all of the weapons that they have in Carolina. And while I am uh, remiss to bet on rookie quarterbacks playing well, first-time offensive coordinators who've done so well in the college game have a pretty good track record of their first year in the NFL of doing some surprising things and catching some teams with their pants down, so to speak. So I'm excited for what's going to happen in Carolina. And I think that Bridgewater would be a, if nothing else, an interesting guy to keep an eye on, or like you said, someone to pick up at the very end of your draft to be a part of your streaming committee. All right. And let's wrap up the South with late round sleepers. Shh. You mustn't wake the late round sleeper. And uh, Jordan, let's give you this opportunity to uh, gush about your boy. Oh, I'm not, I'm not going to gush very long. I have literally three words written down for Scotty Miller as my late round sleeper. Uh, currently undrafted YOLO. So just <laughs> <laughs> pick him up after the draft. Um, pick him up as your Mr. Irrelevant in the last round. Um, you know, he's going, he likely has the best line for the number three wide receiver spot in Tampa Bay in an offense that you hope is going to be pretty explosive. Um, he's not going to be, he might not be your every day or every week flex guy, but you might be able to plug him in when you need uh, somebody on a bye week, or maybe he is just a very, um, a, a very good guy to go in and, you know, catch three deep balls and just get you a hundred some yards, whatever. Um, so Scotty Miller, um, I, I, I just like the way they're talking about him in Tampa Bay. It always seems like Bruce Arians has something nice to say about Scotty Miller. So, Yeah. Well, other, others may have heard you talk about Scotty Miller before and you know, it's just exactly the kind of guy that Tom Brady likes lunch, pail guy, gym rat, high motor player, you know, maybe not going to jump out of the gym, but you know you're Crappy. always going to get 110% out of Scotty Miller. Hard and, worker. Yeah, for those of you that are new to fantasy football, that's just me saying that he's white. <laughs> yeah, this episode of The League brought to you by Bud Light. Um, so, uh, um, But an uh, interesting prospect in all seriousness. I, I, was, yeah. I was really hoping that your three words, Jordan, were just going to be Scott T. Miller. But um, <laughs> undrafted yellow is good too. I think he's a good player, and I think that he's got – that there are a lot of mouths to feed in the offense. Uh, Justin Watson is no slouch either. Obviously, the two top dogs uh, at, at, at receiver in, in Godwin's, uh, Godwin and Evans. Uh, he's also got to compete with O.J. Howard, Gronk, and Cameron Bright. I don't see a, a reliable path to targets, but uh, should something happen to one of the starting receivers, uh, then he's absolutely somebody that we should be adding. Clark, who you uh... – Late round sleeper. So, uh, if you've been playing fantasy football for a long time, you know that we've always been chasing the ever elusive second wide receiver in New Orleans. And although that has failed every year for the past decade and a half, I think that this year the second wide receiver in New Orleans is going to be really interesting. And Emmanuel Sanders, uh, he played that he was still he showed that he was still good on two different teams last year. Uh, played well in the Super Bowl. He's just always been a very good underrated receiver kind of kicked off that boy Pittsburgh drafts little wide receivers late really well string uh, and hasn't fizzled out like a lot of those guys he goes to New Orleans where uh, you guys are nuts to think that Drew Brees isn't going to have another amazing statistical season Uh, 
it will be competition for targets. He will be third at best behind Kamara and Michael Thomas and should be. But still, a steady third in targets in New Orleans is, you know, sounds pretty good. His ADP is, you know, 10th, 11th round, and he's just a really good player on a good offense. So I think I'll be getting Emmanuel Sanders and putting him in every time he gets two catches for 30 yards and missing out on all of the four (laughs) catches for 130 and two touchdown games this year. He seems like a very, very solid and reliable flex play for me this year. It's the kind of player I don't draft because it's just going to drive you bonkers. And then like <laughs> the end of the year, it's going to look good. And you'll have been on your bench the whole, like all is good games. It's so don't listen it, to me. Don't. Always how it goes. Yeah. I think he's a, a great real football player um, who would have immediately fantasy, fantasy uh, uh, viability, immediate fantasy viability. Should something happen to Michael Thomas. Nick, uh, give us your sleeper. Yeah, uh, just building on the the previous section, Curtis Samuel uh, looks to have the inside track to the uh, starting slot receiver role. If anybody wants to know what the slot receiver does in Joe Brady's offense, go look up Justin Jefferson's box score results last year at LSU. It's a highly lucrative role. And uh, Curtis Samuel, he's always profiled very well in Matt Harmon's reception perception, uh, indicating he's a good route runner. Uh, Some might recall he actually was like a, a running back slash receiver in college and uh, I wondered if he was actually going to be McCaffrey's backup um, in the backfield but the, the team has also been talking about just getting him in space and, and letting him use his quickness uh, athleticism um, vision etc uh, in the open field so I, I think that going as uh, the wide receiver what the hell ever um, I, <laughs> like yeah uh, wide receiver 60 friggin three like I think he's a flex option all year long. 10 out of 10 agree. Yeah. I I'm just hoping for Curtis Samuel's sake that um, they finally have a a offensive coach in there who wants to use him in more of a uh, play design that gets him the football, but not like in a a force feeding kind of way. Cause it, feels like we've known for a couple of years that Curtis Samuel has always been talented and we're like, Oh, we got to get him the football, but Carolina has just never had the offense to put him in a position to be successful. It's just like, here, take the football and do something with it rather than scheming up a way to make him productive. All right. And I will wrap things up uh, for the NFC South with a guy who you guys have touched on earlier in the show uh, in a negative light. But I'm going to tell you that you're all wrong and silly for saying such gibber-gabber. Hayden Hurst, uh, I understand we don't really know what he is, but he is walking into an offense that we have repeatedly said is going to be passing the ball a shit ton. Last year, they targeted Austin Hooper 97 times, which was fourth in the league or fifth in the league, excuse me, behind Kelsey, Ertz, Kittle, and Andrews. And, uh, And Hooper was third second among tight ends really because uh Higby and Kelsey were tied for 19 targets inside the red zone but Hooper had 18 um so he is walking into a tight end in an offense that targets their tight ends in the red zone and targeted Austin Hooper heavily last year now is he going to see 97 targets who knows but what I do know is that he's going as the tight end 14 behind guys like Noah uh what's his name Noah Fant and uh Mike Kosicki both of whom I would draft Hayden Hurst over. And he's going in that kind of like 
10th, 11th round, which for me, or 10th round, I think, which for me is like right around the time where I start kind of thinking about tight end. Um, he just, I think he's someone whom you can buy and he's stepping into a big workload potentially in an offense that has proven that they do like to target their tight end. And we just spent the most of the episode talking about how Matt Ryan's going to throw 700 times and uh, they don't have a number three receiver. Well, guess what? It's Hayden Hurst. Yeah, so to be clear, my earlier comment about someone not being good at tight end, I was talking about Austin Hooper, who if you think Jason Witten looks doesn't look very spry anymore, just watch Austin Hooper play a little bit. So I really like your Hayden Hurst uh, pick here. We've at least seen some athleticism out of Hayden Hurst. And the Falcons, uh, I'm using air quotes here for all of the listeners, wanted Hayden Hurst to go out and give him you know, not very big of a contract, but he will exist and he will play tight end for the Falcons. And Austin Hooper showed us last year just how valuable those two skills can be. Always draft players who just need to exist in order to have fantasy relevance. Those are those are the key guys to get. Yeah, I uh, don't have it in me to criticize anybody's tight end 15. <laughs> 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 Awesome. Well, there you go. First episode of the NFC. Uh, Make sure to subscribe to Fake Teams wherever you get your podcasts. iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, we are there. That is not how not only you will get uh, us, but our fantasy baseball and basketball podcast. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at RB1 Podcast. Follow myself at Pete M. Rogers. Follow Clark at NFL Clark. Jordan at Jordan underscore Smith 27. And Nick at Ginger underscore underscore Nick without a K. We will be back at you tomorrow to talk the nfc who knows what maybe west or east or north Ooh, tune in until then peace